from LPL Financial. Welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and welcome to this week's edition of LPL Market Signals Podcast. Good to be back on the call, and I'm here with my good friend, Ryan Dietrich. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, John. Glad to see you back over there. Thank you. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. Kind of a sad news this morning, right? You know, uh, it is. Kobe Bryant passed yesterday, and his daughter, and seven other people. Just, uh, you know, you think about where were you when you heard certain news events over the years, and just very, very, very upsetting. Beyond basketball, he inspired an awful lot of people. Yeah, just you look on Twitter, just all those images of he and his daughter from apparently two or three weeks ago, just at a game, and he's talking to her, and he's like hugging on her, and you know, just as the news came out, like you said, it's like all his daughters are on, unfortunately, the helicopter, and now one is on. Nonetheless, it's just devastating. Yeah. And you do remember where you were, um, you know, like when Michael Jackson passed away, when you heard, first heard this news, certain places you remember. My story about Kobe was my junior year, my team actually played Lower Marion. I was went to Springfield Catholic Central in Ohio. We played Kobe Bryant's team down at the Beach Ball Classic. And, um, I'm sure that was a humbling experience. Well, we were winning in the fourth quarter. Really? We were beat, yeah, we beat him, and then Kobe became Kobe, and just he was the top player in the country, and everyone right. knew it. And our team, we won state. We, we had Mr. Basketball in Ohio. Right, right. Went to Indiana. He was, he, Jason Collier, who was good, who unfortunately Jason Collier tragically passed away. Passed. Now Kobe, so the two players that we Clem- were there He went for. to Stanford, right? No, he went to Indiana. Did, did not it? like Bobby Knight and transferred down to Georgia Tech. And then was it yeah, the 11th or 12th pick in the draft? Had a good career with the mm-hmm. Atlanta Hawks and then passed away with an enlarged heart. But so um, you played against Kobe Bryant in high school. I yeah, didn't our team did. That. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, he he was. They one other guy was good, but obviously he, yeah, was, he was the team. Yeah. But we were beating him in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just he showed why he's who he just had that something about him that we all know now so obvious. But right, something right. about him even back then was clear. He he was just different. He was just built differently. You read all the tributes and what people were saying about him. It's a so sad, and it just helps you remember how important, how quickly things can be taken away from us, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that. You lost your dad. Two years four, ago. Two years ago. Yes. And I just lost mine recently, and, um, yeah. you know, uh, we it's part of life. We all have to experience that, right? And mm-hmm. uh, But the, the, the most amazing thing about uh, Kobe and the tributes, so much of them go beyond basketball, right? Right. And, you know, that's that's most honorable when you think about just the impact you can have beyond what you're doing you know mm-hmm. appreciate every day recognize every day is a gift obviously there are other concerns today yes uh, there are you know market down 400 on the coronavirus concerns and um, uh, yet another tragedy with all the people suffering there but again some perspective is necessary what have we seen uh, 2700 cases I believe as of this morning uh, 81 deaths, which mm-hmm. in and of itself is terrible. But I saw something that the U.S. has already lost since October, 100 times that many people in uh, from the flu. We've had 8,000 people die of the flu right. in the U.S. of 300 and what 340 million people. Um, but nonetheless, this market was moving. It was moving very fast, as you guys discussed in the last couple of uh, podcasts while I was away. Mm-hmm. And we really needed something to jar the market, right? Yeah, you're right, John. You know, building on the volati- blast of volatility that we're clearly seeing starting late last week and now obviously this morning, Monday, when we when we record this, the S&P, John, has actually gone 30 days in a row without two down days in a row. Now, I'm assuming today is going to be lower, right. and that would end that streak. What's that mean, 30 days without, two, without back-to-back down days? Ties the longest streak since 1955. I mean, that's unbelievable. So mm-hmm. this has been a re- – we've been spoiled by this market. Yeah. Think of this. The S&P, again – 
we'll see where Monday closes. But as of Monday morning when we're doing this, you had to go back th- over three and a half months the last time the Dow, I'm sorry, the S&P was either up or down 1%. So, yeah, yeah we've been higher. But it's been stair steps up. You know, what's the old expression? The stock market takes the uh, escalator up, but the elevator down. Yeah, right. And it sure feels like that, what we're seeing right now. But we were due for some volatility. We were due, and we're going to talk more about market sentiment here in the next part, but we're just due for something to happen. And the coronavirus is clearly what sparked it in this volatility. It could be here to stay a little bit. Yeah, we get paid uh, to worry. But when you think about stocks, bonds, gold, you know, mm-hmm. when, you, when, you, when you see all things heading up, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta start to wonder. But nonetheless, yeah, I think we were due for something. Uh, but again, a little more on just perspective. We, right. we have reviewed some numbers. We want to analyze and, and double down before their official LPL estimates. But looking uh, at some of the data uh, that we've been able to gather over the weekend, for example, SARS virus, over 700 people died. And that what, after that was announced in April of 03, when you think about a market impact, and, and, and this is always the thing, you know, you and I have talked about this many times. We always struggle, you know, if there's a human tragedy, immediately mm-hmm. we get called by journalists or reporters and saying, okay, well, you know, what does this mean for the market? So you always have to separate, and it's always been a big struggle, right? You have to separate what we do for a living, and people are expecting us to have an opinion, right? But it's always kind of, it's always kind of a delicate line. But if you think about our role as strategists and providing investment recommendations, you have to really think, oh, well, we, we, we look at history, right? We look at our databases and we look at history and we try to divine what the market could do from what it has done previously. And if you look at the SARS example, that was 03. That was, what, 17 years ago and 700 people died. But 12 months after SARS first came out in April of 03, the market was up by 20%. The avian flu was in June of 06. 12 months, 75 people died, pretty similar to what we're experiencing now with coronavirus. 12 months later, the market was up 18%. Swine flu was a big one. That mm-hmm. was in, uh, was during the financial crisis, wasn't it? It was uh, right around yeah, right April, the, first quarter, right about first, the bottom second of quarter mm-hmm. of 09, yep. just as we were starting to come around. 200,000 people, I want to double check that number, but that's the number I, I found over the weekend. 200,000 people died of swine flu. Uh, around the world, and the market was up 35%. Now, it was, you know, X percent of nothing is still nothing when you think about where the market was in 08, right. but still on a year-over-year basis, uh, didn't appear to have a negative impact on the markets. Ebola was up 10% uh, in March of 15 after its announcement, its release, if you will, uh, in March of 14. About 11,000 people died from that. And then the Zika virus, no one died from the Zika virus, and mm-hmm. that was just a few years ago, January of 16. Uh, and the market was up 17% thereafter. So those are some numbers, I just think, from a perspective standpoint. Again, we, we want to separate the human tragedy from market impact, but investors are asking us the impact on the markets of, of some of these epidemics and pandemics, if you will. Again, human tragedy, yes. Uh, what is the negative impact to the markets? Well, it's hard to see. And if you think about just you know, how China is responding so aggressively to this. Very different than with SARS. Absolutely. They were hiding it back then is the consensus. You think Mm -hmm. about the backdrop, you know, we've had policy easing the beginning, just the beginning, you know, one of the first two trading days of this year, right? The big policy easing in China and then phase one trade deal. So we see global PMIs, purchasing manager indices firming up over the past month, six weeks. So it appears global growth may have bottomed. Yeah, you know, speaking of global growth, our friends at Capital Economics, John, took a look at what the economy does during one of these mm-hmm. issues, and we looked. they looked at SARS. So global GDP for SARS in the second quarter of 2003 did tick a little bit lower, kind of weaker than probably people expected what it was supposed to be. But mm-hmm. the good news, by the third and fourth quarter in 2003, it almost was like nothing happened. So, you know, yeah. y- y- yes, and like right now, obviously – 
I mean, what, billions of Chinese people are probably staying in their homes almost, and there's talk. For. And there, yeah, there's talk that you know they could actually pick up their economy because people are actually going to be buying, buying more things. You know, I mean, I mean I know if we were stuck in my house, my wife would probably be doing a lot of Amazon shopping. That's so right, it's, right. it's you know, it's 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 a unique way to look at it. But yeah. you know, it, clearly it could hurt global GDP a little bit here. But I think the bottom mm-hmm. line is history tells us, like when we discussed, I don't remember if you were on a couple weeks ago, but maybe it was Jeff and I talked about the Iran issues. You right. know, those global geopolitical issues over time, yes, stock market goes down about 5% for three weeks, but then uh, that's on average. And then within two, three months later, you're making new highs again. So if, right. you're, if you're not in a recession, which again, we clearly don't see, we'll discuss more in a little bit here, this, this, we could have more, more of a pullback, but it sure could be a buying opportunity when all is said and done. That's what history has told us time and time again. Right. Our favorite Austrian economist, Joseph Schumpeter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, creative destruction. Yes. And you find a way to adapt, to recover, to innovate, and to grow. Whether it's a family in a crisis, whether it's a company, whether it's a society, whether it's an industry, whether it's an economy, adaptability, recovery, innovation, and growth are the reason, I believe, for long-term investing. And I think that's what you have to, what you have to consider. So hopefully that's some perspective for our listeners relative to coronavirus. Um, you know, we did say that this market had been moving, I mean, we're, we're at what? 15 percent 12 to 15 percent right. since the october low and you know we're going to write a little bit more about this probably by the time people listen to this on tuesday this week lplresearch.com we're going to dive more into probably some of the exact same things we just discussed but we'll substantiate talk about some of the stuff we just exactly. made up right <laughs> exactly. verify some of that but um yeah so we'll, we'll definitely cover it and, and if this unfortunately continues to expand we will obviously continue to dive in but oh, no doubt the bottom line is um you know we've got you covered and as of now it's 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 um Spreading more than we thought. Right yeah, on Friday, absolutely. we did, and it's unique. Also, John, the fact this is taking place during the Chinese Lunar New Year. I right, mean, clearly right. that's random, if not. But mm-hmm. people wanted to travel during this. Now you're saying you can't travel. People are so it's 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 a but very they're, unique they're situation. The holiday, so people stay home. Yeah. So they're extending the holiday for another three days, apparently. So, well, so does that mean I guess their markets are closed for another three days? Or do we maybe need to look into I that? But found that isn't out. that yep. something? So mm-hmm. markets are. I mean, that's the thing. Chinese markets are closed, so we'll just see where they open. But the global markets, right. at least, I mean, as of this morning when you and I were doing this, most European markets are down over two percent. Right, U.S. Right. down about one and a half percent. Japan so, was still open. Also, yes. So so unique. So back similarly. Yeah, so John, this week's weekly market commentary. We started toying with uh, toying with this idea about a week and a half, two weeks ago about market sentiment. People are getting too excited potentially, right. and what have we seen historically? When everyone's excited and everyone's bought, no one's left to buy, and that's how things peak. And then the flip side is when everyone sells, no one left to sell. That's when markets can bottom, kind of like that March two thousand three example we were talking about um, with SARS. But in the commentary this week, John, we, we, we took a look at a few things. You know, f- one of the good examples I like to use is the AAII, American Association of Individual Investors. I did that without looking. Mm-hmm. The high but he did count it on his fingers. I so did. I, that's true. <laughs> Dawson, I used, our producer, can, can verify that. I, um, yeah, good I, boy, Ryan. I like to, We're yeah, very proud of I, you. I used, yeah, good boy. <laughs> Speaking of good boys, my dog. We can talk about my dog later. Oh, my goodness. Our new dog is not a good boy. But anyway, he's peeing all over the house. It's I don't know what's happened. Well, it's that's like good to know. Let's yeah, get back to sentiment. Mind. Anyway. <laughs> some negative sentiment too, but so some positive sentiment. You know, we've seen John. You'll remember this one. Long way from neutral. Remember yep. who said mm-hmm. that? Yep. October third mm-hmm. of 2018. Um, our Fed chairperson uh, Powell said, "Long way from neutral." All you got to remember is that kicked off the worst fourth quarter since financial crisis. Stocks got killed. He said, "Hey, we're going to hike rates more than the market expects." The and recent he said, poll. Oops, a daisy. January yeah, well, 3rd, he, he did do that. But what I'm getting at. This most recent level of bulls we saw in the AAII poll, that's kind of hard to say, 
was the highest since the day before he said that. Right, okay, right. so mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean you have to have a you know twenty percent correction. In fact, we probably doubt that. But it is saying anything can kind of rock that boat. We're all on one side of the boat. And back then, it was his comments and an aggressive speech uh, from uh, Vice President Pence regarding China. China. Those two things kicked off that fourth quarter. Now, with everyone being kind of bullish and batting their chest, we have the opposite. I mean, what do you think? Is that says what's what's it mean? You think? I I think from a sentiment, one of the things I really like working with you about is I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, the way. and there are so few of them. So yeah, here's let's, the one. Let's, we're recording this. Let's make sure we don't lose this. <laughs> the way we like to embrace fundamentals mm-hmm. with technicals, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we can talk about fundamentals till we're blue in the face, but if the market's going against us, you just look like, you know, like a couple of idiots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we do that often. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yes, that's happened before. But when you think about sentiment, if you're looking at technicals, if you want to look at momentum or trend or mm-hmm. sentiment, when you look at sentiment, it's really hard to gauge euphoria. Yes. Right. And uh, I would think, uh, you know, the way you and I will like to blend and the way we do at LPL Research, the way we like to blend fundamentals, earnings and interest rates, for example, with technicals, volume, uh, sentiment, momentum, Mm -hmm. pricing patterns, things along those lines. I think it's important to, to recognize that extreme lows in sentiment are probably better indicators of forward returns than extreme highs in right. sentiment, right? So there's kind of this weird, you know, when all hell's breaking loose, we're all panicking, like, okay, well, you know, we can't go much lower than where we've been mm-hmm. other than zero, right? And uh, typically you can do a pretty good job, and history has shown that, you know, you see forward returns uh, at a premium to historically average returns. But when you have numbers like we have saw recently, whether it be put-call ratio, whether it be, uh, the the bull bear scenarios, mm-hmm. uh, there really has been complacency. You know, I've seen a lot of articles about FOMO, fear of missing out. Another one's called the greater fool theory. You're just hoping someone's dumber than you going to buy tomorrow if you bought today, mm-hmm. right, to keep yes. bidding prices up. So when you start to get to that mindset, typically we, we need to have something that pulls us back. And uh, more often than not, it's a convenient excuse because the fundamental backdrop what we're seeing globally, whether it be leading economic indicators, whether it be uh, purchasing manager surveys, as we discussed earlier, all those would indicate a bottoming in the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter last year, and we're starting to see some fundamental justification for what largely has been priced in already. So that's why we have to Mm -hmm. be careful at these uh, elevated levels when we're trading, you know, 18 and a half times forward earnings, which we think is too rich. Yeah, I mean, it's a good reminder that the stock market and the economy don't always see eye to eye, right? Absolutely. In 2018, earnings up 23%, first down year for stocks in nine years. You go to 2019, last year, S&P up 31%, yet earnings season is wrapping up. We're going to see flat, maybe even negative earnings yeah. uh, last year, yet stocks go up 31%. But, you know, one thing I want to read is straight from our weekly market commentary, John. I thought it was quite interesting. I always uh, do that when I'm not prepared either. Right. <laughs> I've even had it underlined. <laughs> Look, um, about 25% of S&P 500 stocks made new 52-week highs on January 17th. That sounds pretty good, but here's the kicker. The best participation in record high day since January 2018. Now, that's just an example of one, but for mm-hmm. those who remember, that was a major peak in the stock right. market January of 2018. Not saying that's exactly the case again, but again, things are so good. Things are everyone's making new highs, everyone's bullish. That's where that contrarian little spidey senses start to uh, at least tingle a little bit for me, and they started tingling 
you know, recently. Um, probably stop talking about tingling here, but um, yeah, 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 exactly. But but still, it's 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 concerning, and we wrote about it in this week's weekly market commentary, and there are some some reasons to think some volatility and pullback was more than due. Absolutely, and, and Absolutely. that's exactly kind of what typically, could be playing out right typically now. Typically, see those pullbacks, and mm-hmm. you know, when when you don't have them, that's when that's when we start to get worried, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think that uh, again, w- under the backdrop of some of the data, you know, the market is the best discounting mechanism. So even while global economy, LEIs, leading economic indicators, and purchasing manager indices, even as they were bottoming, stocks were rocketing higher because they're discounting the recovery, right? So it's conceivable this year that we see the economy outperform the market. And a lot of our advisors were very concerned that we got to 3,300, the upper end of Mm -hmm. our range. Exactly, yep. And we maintained, you know, where we've been the last nine months, a market weight in our balanced accounts on the equity uh, market because when you see multiple expansion to the extent that we saw last year with the flattish earnings mm-hmm. that's that's a recipe for a pullback right when you see when you see that kind of uh, price outperform earnings by a factor that's when you have to really just say okay I know it may be disappointing to some investors that we are not raising price targets or fair value estimates for the market, even though we're still in January. Right. We want to make sure the math works, right? And you have to make sure that sales per share for the index, you know, factor in a revenue assumption, multiply that by a margin assumption. You need to get the math to work to get an earnings estimate mm-hmm. when, you, when you do it from a top-down basis, as I like to. Uh, so when you, when, you, when you go about that, we're still maintaining $175 in earnings. Right. 18 and a half multiple on that is about where we, at least where we were this morning before the market opened. This is this is Monday morning, the mm-hmm. 27th. We're down about 400. Yeah. Uh, it's only about 10, 10.30 in the morning. So we'll see how things uh, separate. So we're going to continue to focus on the fundamentals and uh, do our very best not to get too caught up on uh, the sentiment because uh, we don't want to chase a market. Right, uh, exactly. But we do think there are some fundamentals that are, are very supportive, but it's conceivable the economy outperforms the market this year. Yeah, you know, John, like you said, last week we had various PMIs that came out. On the manufacturing front for the PMIs in January, Germany had its best month in 11 months. I mean, Germany is clearly a big part of Europe. If Germany is pulling its weight like that, that's a positive. Maybe the good news on trade is helping that um, as well. In the U.S., we had services number. The PMI services came in in the U.S., highest since March 19. So, you know, globally, like you said, it looks like we hit a trough late last year. Things are... (laughs) kind of accelerating but what's the expression if you drop something high it's going to bounce a little bit but how high it bounces depends on how you're coming from and we we had a big drop globally but things are improving a little bit here yeah and a a distinction on the services and manufacturing Mm -hmm. uh, purchasing indices uh, we should keep in mind also services are what now 85 87 percent yeah of of (laughs) of economic activity but also uh there's a there's a plane manufacturer named boeing that has weighed pretty heavily on mm-hmm. these manufacturing indices. Yes. And I saw an estimate over the weekend that showed that uh, if not for Boeing, we'd be at 50 on the manufacturing yes. PMI. So it, it's counting for a full three points on the index. Now, the way this index is calculated, uh, 50 or above uh, suggests the manufacturing sector is in expansion. 49 or below suggests it's in contraction. Really, 49 to 44 is just meandering mm-hmm. in manufacturing sub 44 tends to be uh, a recession indicator interesting and that's obviously where germany was recently until right. they've, they've kind of just seen a pretty pretty big spike higher so 
So, John, you know, I guess we're about to wrap things up here. You know, I had fun this week. Obviously, just yesterday with the Kobe news was just devastating. Yeah. It was just a sad, somber day, and you come in today. Your boys are big basketball fans. How they, they, uh, they are. That's always a tough you know, parenting thing, right? How do you teach your kids about death? It's, it's unique because they – kind of miss Kobe playing you know they got right. into basketball the last two or three years mm-hmm. but it's funny we play outside and this is you know for weeks and months we'll play and my son Sebastian will say Kobe you know shoot like a fadeaway three I go why'd you say that? oh that's what Kobe Bryant used to do like he's never seen him but mm-hmm. he's seen on YouTube but or whatever videos, but yeah. they say shoot like Kobe so it's unique that he's impacted my my boys who never watched him play right right yeah. that's so. that's fascinating again the mm-hmm. impact he can have or we all can have on on on, on others so we always mm-hmm. got to keep that in mind and appreciate every day because every day is a gift and exactly. uh, these next handful of days, we'll be paying attention to what the market does relative to the uh, coronavirus, and hopefully uh, that will be uh, contained as soon as possible. And then you think yes. about containment, think about the fires in Australia as well. I mean, what's going on there? It's for months. Um, mm. But what we'll be looking at over the next several days, we'll be obviously focusing on the fundamentals. We've got durable goods this week, which should give a good indication of uh, now that we have phase one deal with China, uh, our businesses increasing their capital expenditures because businesses over the past year, year and a half have obviously talked about spending as opposed to spending. So hopefully that uh, actual mm-hmm. spending will catch up with the plans for spending. We've got consumer confidence number, which still should be a good number. Federal Reserve meets this week, largely a uh, right. non-event. We're not expecting any activity, but to the degree the Fed's able to talk about some of the overnight financing stuff, I think that'll be important. we got a GDP print later on this week. First, fourth quarter should come in about 2% for much of the quarter. People were pricing in 1, 1. 1.2, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, now Boom. that we're seeing some stabilization, we could get a 2% print there. So it'll be a big week for fundamentals. Obviously, we've got earnings coming in, earnings this week. We have, I guess, two of the biggest days, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. So right. it'll be uh, interesting to see. But we're not going to get too caught up in what companies do. We're going to get more caught up in what companies say and what the visibility is for 2020. So Ryan, want to thank you for all your insight today. Obviously, appreciate everything. Hope you travel safely. I know you've got a big travel week this week. And, thank uh, you. Yeah, we'll look forward to being back on next week, everyone. Have a happy and healthy week. Take care. The opinion voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.